What else do you need to know about 529 education accounts? Intro music. Hi, this is Alex Lynch, and I help freelancers earning six figures or more optimize their finances all in the amount of time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. For additional resources on this subject and others important to freelancers, please check out our website, freelancefinancefix.com. Last episode, we talked about 529 education accounts. I gave a brief introduction about them, how they work, and the significant tax-free growth potential inside of them. For those who have done really well with their income and business this year and are looking for a possible next place to gift, park some cash, or beginning to plan for future education costs, these plans are worthy of your consideration. Remember, this is an account where money goes into it and will grow tax-free if ultimately used for qualified education expenses. And remember, while you open one to support education or gifting to a beneficiary, there is now this new game-changing ability starting next year, subject of course to some constraints, where the account can after 15 years start to be rolled over to a Roth IRA for a beneficiary. This again was a game-changing change that just came into effect and may not be reflected on all of the articles out there on 529 education accounts. To help you understand some of the do's and don'ts and most common questions about 529 accounts, in this episode, I'm going to go over some of the most common questions I frequently get about 529 accounts and a few overlooked facts about them that are worth knowing. The first question I get all the time is uncertainty regarding if you can change or can't change the beneficiary of the account. Yes, while a plan is open for a singular beneficiary, the beneficiary can be changed at almost any time without penalty or taxes incurred in nearly every case. Some of the most common qualifying family member changes include changing between siblings, including stepchildren, first cousins, nieces, nephews. You can, in most cases, even name yourself beneficiary of a 529 account and use it for your own educational purposes or again change the beneficiary again in the future. So the short answer is yes, you can change the beneficiary at almost any time and you have a ton of flexible options on who the new beneficiary can be. The second most common question I get about 529 accounts and there is an important distinction here about who is the actual owner of the account. The 529 account is the property of the account owner, not the beneficiary. Unlike several other types of transfer accounts to minors or education accounts, this type of account is the owner's property and not the beneficiary's property. There is no mandatory transition to the beneficiary at the age of majority like some other types of accounts. Unless the account owner specifically decides to reimburse a beneficiary, the beneficiary has no access to the policy. It is always the account owner's choice. And as mentioned earlier, if the account owner wants to change beneficiary in the future and retain control of it as long as they like, that is their right. In summary here, a 529 plan is considered an asset of the person who owns it, not the stated beneficiary. 
The third question that I frequently get in regards to 529 education accounts is can a plan be, let me say that again here. The third question that I frequently get on 529 education accounts is can multiple plans be open for the same beneficiary? And the answer to this is yes. I see it all the time where a parent or grandparent and also an extended family member open up a plan. There can be some strategic advantages to having a account in both the name of a parent and a grandparent or extended family member, as some financial aid packages only look at both the child and parent's assets and do not include the assets of the grandparents or extended family. Even if that policy was worth over a million dollars, if it is not owned by the parent it would not be included in many financial aid applications. Now you could run into some issues when transferring that money to the beneficiary or having it show up on their income in the future, but I digress and there is an entire industry devoted to the rules for student loan qualifications, how the assets and or income of others are included And it's an important area where talking to an expert when planning for college could add significant value to your college financial plan. Another reason you may want a second plan is if you plan to move states or happen to have moved states, there may be some tax credits or deductions available in the new state you reside in. The key thing to know here is that a single beneficiary can have multiple 529 accounts opened in their name and each of these plans can potentially have a different account owner. The fourth most common question I get about 529 education accounts is a question of if the they waited too long to begin them. Is the child too old now? As long as there is still a reasonable chance of these funds being used for education in the future, you really aren't too old. While the younger the beneficiary is, the more time there is able to have the account compound. Oh, let me say that again. Let's just start this whole paragraph over. The fourth most common question I get about 529 accounts is this. Did we wait too long to begin one? Is our child too old now? If there is still a reasonable chance for the beneficiary to use these these funds for education, then you likely didn't wait too long. While the younger a beneficiary is, the more time they have to benefit from compounding and tax-free growth, a beneficiary is never too old. A plan can be used for a beneficiary's expenses as early or earlier than age 8, age 18, or even 80 years old. There is no age limit currently to 529 education accounts. Even if the beneficiary is set to begin college or incur some education expenses within the next year or two, there could still be benefits to opening a 529 account. There could still be tax deductions. And if you have the funds currently parked in, say, a savings account or money market earning 5%, That 5% right now, if not inside of a 529 account, would be taxable. So you could potentially earn some tax savings as well, even in the short term, on having a 529 account. 
This brings me to the fifth most common question I get. With college education expenses potentially so far away, how could these plans change over time? As this account might be open for 10, 15, 20, 25 years, what do we need to know? This is a really difficult question to answer, as nobody knows what tax policy or rules are going to look like in the distant future. But what we can say is this. These accounts have continually gotten better and better over the years. In nearly every major tax overhaul, there have been special provisions for 529 accounts with steady improvement on them. Now with the ability to use them through for K through 12 education, many vocational programs, the continued expansion in the definition of what is a college education expense, and now most recently with the ability to roll remaining funds over, subject to constraints, to a Roth IRA. They have gotten better and better over time. And with the current popularity of them, it would seem a really difficult situation to imagine where these plans are changed to be worse and no longer a good option for a beneficiary. The sixth question I frequently get about 529 plans is what about the investment options and how can we make changes within? Generally, you have the ability to change the investments within a 529 account twice per year or when you make a change to the beneficiary. No, you are not locked into the initial investments you selected when opening the account. A major consideration when regarding the investments inside of a 529 account is this, that unlike all the other accounts that the owner may own, this one is specifically intended for the beneficiary. While all of the other accounts you may own may be tied to your own personal retirement or future financial planning, this one is specifically geared towards the educational purposes of the beneficiary. Thus, it may have very different investments inside of it. This may make the need for the investments to be more or less aggressive depending on the beneficiary's financial situation. Thus, while you may have your personal accounts for retirement conservatively invested, it may make sense with the long time horizon for the 529 account to be very aggressive, or vice versa. And if it has been a while since you looked at the investments within a 529 account and the beneficiary is rapidly approaching when they may use them, I encourage you to review the options within and make sure that the investments reflect both the time of when the funds would be used and the risk tolerance of the beneficiary. The seventh question I get all the time about 529 accounts is if you are a high earner, is this something even available to you? Yes, there is currently no income tax cap. I'll say that again. Yes, there is currently no income tax. Let's just do the whole paragraph again. The seventh question that I get on 529 accounts all the time is this. If we are a really high-earning household, are we still able to contribute to one? The answer is yes. Even if you are making a billion dollars a year, you can still open and contribute to a 529 college education account and get the benefit of the tax-free growth inside of one. Now, you may lose out on some of the state tax deductions, but that does not preclude you from being able to contribute to a 529 account. The last question I'm going to go over today 
is how do I have my personal 529 account set up for my child? Now this may not be right for everybody, but my preferred way to contribute and set up a 529 education account is to set up a regular monthly contribution and automating the investment and contribution component as much as possible. Then just one time a year, reviewing the account and seeing if I want to change the contribution amount and or investments at that time. While you may have the ability to choose to change the investments frequently or invest in some speculative stuff inside of your plan, I discourage you from doing so and prefer that most everybody keeps their 529 accounts as simple and as straightforward as possible. There you have it. Over the last two episodes, I've outlined some major benefits of 529 accounts, some rules and considerations, and some strategies to benefit from the tax-free growth potential inside of them. When done right, 529 accounts are an extremely valuable financial planning tool. Action items from this episode. If you do have a 529 account, I do encourage you to take a peek at the investments inside of them particularly in light of a very volatile market last year, and make sure the investments are in line with the beneficiary's goals and time of when they may be needing to use the funds. And please check out our website, freelancefinancefix.com, for more information on subjects important to freelancers, and stay tuned for more tax tips and other tips for freelancers. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Freelance Finance Fix.